Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Rule the day the plant-based way with the new vegan mixed berry from Smoothie King. Powered by whole, non-GMO fruits, oat milk, and vegan protein, it's a dairy-free, plant-based smoothie you can feel great about. With 13 grams of protein and half your daily fiber, it's an easy way to get the essential nutrients your body craves. Skip the line and order online for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Episode 1915 of No BS Job Search Advice Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Alton, the Big Game Hunter, and welcome. It's Saturday. I thought I would take it a little bit easy on myself and bring back a show from Job Search Radio that I used as an interview with Lisa Rangel from Chameleon Resumes, where we talk about picking up the pieces after a job loss. It's a very timely topic for many of you these days. Hope you find it helpful. I recorded this in 2017, I believe, and I just left the entire introduction there. Uh, so don't sweat it if you hear me talk about job search radio. Don't sweat it if the audio isn't what it now is. It's different. As I think about it, it wasn't 2017. It was more like 2015 that we did this interview. Regardless, let's get going. The material is good. Hi, this is Jeff Alpin, the Big Game Hunter. And welcome to Job Search Radio. I'm your host for this show. And, you know, I've been doing professional recruiting for a long, long time, through a lot of different recessions, economic uh, calamities, uh, hiring and firing waves. And from my vantage point, there's really nothing worse than receiving the call from the manager or above who's been blindsided by being fired. Uh, you can tell the anxiety in their voice. You can hear their upset. Sometimes I hear their tears uh, as they come to me for advice about where to start because they were so unprepared for this moment. Unfortunately, a lot of them start to misbehave. Uh, they start spending a lot of time in the refrigerator. Um, they start to act out in their marriages inappropriately. A lot of things start to go wrong for the person who's not prepared for that moment. Now, my guest for today's show is Lisa Rangel, who's an author, professional speaker, and managing director of Chameleon Resumes. And we're going to try and help some of you folks out before it goes down a spiral. Lisa, welcome to Job Search Radio. Great to have you on board. Hi, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. And probably the the easiest place for both of us to start off with is how could such bright people, such smart people, such aware people get blindsided at a moment like that? You know, it's a, it's a great question. And I, I talk with a high, highly accomplished, you know, top-performing executives each week that, you know, this does happen to you, whether it results 
in a pink slip or they're, they're at least figuring it out before the pink slip happens. It's still blindsiding them. Um, you know, I find that a common thread uh, between all of these situations is that these top-performing individuals, they they te- seem to subliminally interpret, you know, being gainfully employed and even recruited and, and desired and promoted throughout their, you know, 10, 15, you know, 20, 25-year career as immunity to, you know, just economic conditions that can happen, and it really can happen to anyone, whether they're a business owner or they're a high-level, you know, top-performing corporate executive. Um, the reality is no one is immune to it. Um, but I think individuals that have never needed to really look for a job before because they were either, you know, promoted, um, they were moving progressively, they were recommended for roles, you know, connections of them were moving them from one company to another and, and recruiting them, they just simply thought subliminally, you know, not in any big ego sense, but just subliminally that they were immune to that and it didn't really apply to them. And unfortunately, it applies to everyone. Um, it really, really does. It's everyone. <laughs> and, and you have to always start looking at the tea leaves. Like in 2007, uh, I happened to have been home one day watching CNBC, and the talking heads on the show were talking about this term that we'd never heard of really before, which was subprime mortgages. And they were you know, saying right. it's going to be a little bit of a ripple, uh, and they didn't think there was going to be much of it, and boy, were they surprised. And I'll just simply right. say I was I was sitting home there understanding the impact of it. I didn't think it would be quite this bad, but I wrote a blog article called Game, Set, and Match warning people that it was time to build your networks again because you were going to need them real soon. Because uh, to me, that was really the end of the um, of, of the growth of the labor market was in the summer of 2007. But you know, here are these folks. Now they've got the bomb dropped on them, uh, and they're shocked. And what do they do? Where do they start? Uh, how should they start conditioning themselves for their new cir- circumstances? I think the, you know the first level. It's almost like degrees of mourning <laughs> to some degree. You know, after you're going through the sadness and the anger, which you have to let yourself feel. I think there needs to be a level of acceptance that you know, despite doing so many things right in your life, you know, professionally as well as personally, that they have to own the fact that you know they didn't really maybe stay on top of you know a technology game that um, that's pertinent to doing a, a job search, an effective job search nowadays. You know, they maybe didn't stay on top of their professional network in a proactive way. You know, they were really just talking to the people that they had to deal with each day, and then once they changed jobs or projects, they kind of lost track of the people from the past, and they're really dealing with just their new contacts. Um, You know, they have to own the fact that maybe they didn't do this part as well as they should, you know, given that they did so many other things right. Um, I think secondly is just to own the fact that, you know, they haven't had to be good at looking for a job before because they've been blessed in the fact that they haven't had to look, you know. So, you know, accept the fact that you cannot be good at something that you haven't actually had to do before. You know, and if they're a life-learning, you know, driven type of executive, that this is just another thing to learn. You know, and the fact that they didn't have to use it is the exact reason why they're not necessarily, you know, intuitively good at it. Um, And they can learn it, just like they've learned other, you know, aspects of, you know, uh, credentials that they've had to uh, um, accumulate for their you know, advancing in their career and, and staying on top of things. It's, it's just another aspect of what they need to do to stay on top of their career. And it's very doable. And, 
you know, while there, you know, some audiences may feel that they have, you know, failed a little bit by not staying on top of this game, I can tell you that they're not alone. Whether they failed or they didn't fail, depending on one's perspective, it is very common for top-performing executives to be so focused on the job and the next advancement and, and these bigger projects and initiatives that come their way because of what they've accomplished that sometimes if, you know, they don't have the next one lined up just as something is ended, it's just timing and they can fix it. And what's funny is the skills that allow most of these people to be successful politically within an organization that help them get to this level are often the skills that they turned off outside the organization. You know, the ability to have they don't, they don't do it for themselves, exactly. They don't right. do it for themselves. <laughs> the, the ability to keep your antenna up and pay attention to the tea leaves and signals that are going on outside your company. Uh, mm-hmm. So critical for execs. Look, I had a guest on uh, um, on the show named Rob Cologne, and he said some things that I think are, are really pertinent. And uh, I know I've been saying it professionally for a long time, and that is, we need to think of ourselves as being an independent business, whether or not we're employed by a firm or not. Absolutely. And ultimately, we've got a board of directors. In my case, the organization's called the Altman Organization. You've got the Wrangell Corporation. And Absolutely. we need to think of what's going to serve our family and our needs independent of, the, of that business. And when there's a, the risk of dichotomy between the two, um, we have to sit down long and hard and either make a conscious decision to compromise or make mm-hmm. a conscious decision to move on. Uh, I don't presume to know what's best for someone, but that notion that um, we should trust our future and our career to the decisions of a corporation, ooh, a big-time mistake for everyone. Right, right. So no, I agree. When, and I, I think also there's a, a degree of making sure they're setting, you mentioned earlier, um, you know, that they sometimes get downtrodden and they're, you know, going to the fridge or acting out in their marriage or acting out in other areas of their life. I think some of that, you know, depression, for lack of a better way of, uh, lack of a better word of calling it, um, is, is sometimes setting also unrealistic expectations of themselves and of the search. You know, if, if, someone's a, you know, $300,000, you know, executive, it may take, you know, two to four weeks for every 20000 in compensation um, to find, you know, a new position. So, you know, to financially always plan for that kind of reality that may happen. And if that's not planned for, it can, you know, when you haven't found a job in two months, it may, you, you know, when you're, and then you're feeling rejected and that you're not doing it right or nobody wants you, and in actuality, it may take you, you know, nine to 18 months and you really haven't done anything wrong. So it's, I think setting realistic expectations is really a big piece of making sure you keep your mind preserved for the task at hand as well. It's one of the hardest things that people tell me that they have to contend with is that well-meaning person, uh, could be a, a wife, husband, partner, friend, whomever, who calls up just to check in on you and say, so, how's it going? How's the search going? <laughs> and activates all that feeling of, of despair that nothing is going on. Right. Hey, look, I'm a headhunter. And, and when people ask me about you know, how things are going, and I'm in one of those slump periods, 
it's a horrible phone call to get. And I know everyone's being well-intentioned, but it just activates all that stuff yet again. Absolutely. We're going to be back with more from Lisa in just a moment, but first my job search insider tip for this show. And I need to confess something to you folks, and it's a hard thing for me to say. And what I want to tell you is that, well, I use job boards. And I know you've been hearing a lot of my guests talking down about job boards over the course of the almost year that uh, we've been doing job search radio with one another. But the fact of the matter is I do use job boards to locate talent. Now, I must in all honesty say I don't make it the primary part of my effort. It's one of the tools I use, like networking, doing LinkedIn research, doing web research, um, reaching out to former managers, doing direct mail uh, pieces out of my database, um, writing, blogging, doing videos, uh, creating impressions where people want to reach out to me about roles. It's a part of what I do, but it's not the primary thing that I do. For so many job hunters, the mistake isn't that you use a job board. It's that you spend 80 or 90% of your time using a job board when, in fact, the statistics say at most 30% of positions are filled that way. And I think that's actually a high number. So it's not that you shouldn't use job boards. It's that you have to allocate your time wisely in order to, to do your search well. So that's my tip for this show. Let's come back to Lisa and continue our conversation. So we've got a, someone here who's had the bomb dropped on them, and mm-hmm. now it's time to pick up the pieces. Where do they start? How do they start you know, getting themselves back in the game again and out there doing what they need to to find work? I think the first place to start is really do uh, an assessment of their achievements and what they've been accomplishing during their tenure up to this point. Um, it can be in the form of doing, you know, a resume, an updated resume, which needs to happen pretty quickly anyway, um, and or LinkedIn profile and or executive bio, depending on, you know, what's required for their uh, position and for their industry, what's, what's needed for common hiring practices. Um, but going through that process to amass their concrete, you know, measurable achievements not only helps produce the documents that they need, but it is residual interview coaching for, you know, those initial conversations you know, on the phone of, you know, what you're looking for and, and um, how you want to be positioned in the next position, you know, to formal first, second, third interviews. And, and um, it's... It, it's hard to be able to answer concrete questions about where you want to go if you don't know necessarily have, if you don't necessarily have an alignment as to where you've been and be able to speak to it in, a, in an objective, concrete, measurable manner. So I think that's the first place to start. And it also is a confidence booster when you really start to see these achievements that you've done. You start to think, "Hey, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I'm really not as good as I was." Um, you know, and it and you know the pigeon chested you know position sort of comes out a little bit, and and you do realize that it is just an economic situation that maybe took place, even if it did blindside you, but it is recoverable when you start to see that you do have something to deliver to the next prospective employer. And I agree with you. I would you. say it's that's really a good place to start. Yeah, and I would also add in uh, while you're doing that, 
um, especially if you're a, a senior professional, start looking at managing your finances a little bit differently. Uh, Absolutely. Are there costs that you can cut back on? Um, maybe the kids' private school will be more accommodating with uh, the tuition payment schedule. Um, right. You know, there are things that you can do proactively before you're, quote, in trouble that give you more financial staying power. But Absolutely. Mortgage modifications, and, you know, instead of hiding until you can't make the payment, you know, that sort of thing. Right. Absolutely. Right. And, and estimate it to be, you know, a good 18 months that it may take. And, and you know, then if, be pleasantly surprised that you've landed something in six months or in nine months, you know, but you don't want it to be the other way around where you really just absolutely did not think it was going to take longer than six or nine months when it took 18 and now you're tapped and you're interviewing from a place of desperation in months, you know, 12, 13, and 14 because it just wasn't planned for appropriately. And, and employers can sense desperation. Uh, you know, it's kind of like in dating. I'll, I'll embarrass myself with a story. Uh, <laughs> being the overly attentive male, not because I was desperate, because I was raised properly. And I would right, listen right. intently uh, to uh, my date talk, and she interpreted that courtesy on my part as being desperation. Whoa, slow down. You know, it wasn't like I was I was trying to do anything at that point. We were just having a conversation, right. but I was a cute listener. And when you're in job search mode uh, and you appear in some way desperate, um, employers smell that. And their first reaction is, wrong. what's wrong with that guy? What's wrong with that candidate? I, think, I don't think they use gal as a term anymore, but uh, what's wrong with this person that's making them so desperate? You know, maybe we need to and look a second or third time at them. And you know what? And by that, it doesn't mean, I don't think, putting up a front that doesn't exist. You know, I don't, you know, it's owning your situation and it's owning the fact that you may be not working in month 10 and didn't expect the, you know, the gauntlet to come down 10 months prior. And, you know, I think, but but I think it's owning it and accepting it and viewing it as an opportunity that is going to, you know, manifest new opportunity in your life. And it's really a mindset and an attitude. Um you know, there are very confident, you know, non-desperate job seekers that are out of work. And, you know, it doesn't mean that they're not worried about how the next payment's being made. But there's still, you know, just an, an air of satisfaction and fulfillment. And, you know, employers want to hire those that are inwardly fulfilled to some degree and don't necessarily solely depend on the job for their fulfillment. Because it's very hard for an employer to deliver that to any individual, regardless of their position within the organization. So, again, it's the desperation, to be clear, it's not simply, you know, that you're financially flush and don't need the money and don't need the job. It's, it's really about an inner peace and an inner mindset about accepting your situation, knowing you have talent to deliver to that particular organization, and you're really there to see if it's the right match and owning your situation truthfully. I think that breeds such an air of confidence and relief to that employer that, you know, that in itself sells itself. After all, when an employer is evaluating someone, they want to hire someone who inspires confidence in them that that candidate is absolutely to their need. And, and how, resiliency. How, and and yeah. resiliency to, you know, adverse situations happening unexpectedly, which happen in business every day. How are you going to handle it? You know, this is a demonstration. This is an opportunity to demonstrate how you handle unexpected business situations and how you're going to possibly act within the company that if they hire you when an 
you know, unexpected adverse situation happens internally, how are you going to put forth the demeanor that's going to be necessary to lead the troops through it? You know what they're lo- you know what they're looking for. I don't think they're looking for a blemish-free, financially secure person. I think they're looking for someone who can put you know forth the confident, fulfilled front in in, in light of adversity. That's what they're really looking for. And you've repeated a couple of times. I just want to bring attention to my audience. You need to plan on the search taking longer than you think it does. Than I think it, yes. you think it will. So this way, if you're pleasantly surprised and it takes less time, well, great. <laughs> but if mentally you're not prepared for 18 to 24 months, um, you can wind up getting badly hurt, not just simply in your financials, but emotionally as well. Uh, because Absolutely. The message will get through to you that you're going to keep drilling into yourself. I'm not doing something wrong. Maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. And that will ooze out, unfortunately, on your interviews. I mean, that mindset may still happen in month 12 if you really expect it to be employed by month 6. But don't you want to have that mindset happen with 24 months of reserve versus six months of reserve? (laughs) You know, that's really what, you know, sometimes you can't prevent the mindset, you know, going in that direction. Um, but you have to plan for the worst, and it's not a vote, you know, um, it's not being, you know, uh, not confident in yourself by planning for 24 months or 18 months. Like, you're not, you know, not believing in yourself by doing that. You're just hedging your bets, you know, like any other business decision you would make. You're just hedging your bets. Um, but I think sometimes people feel that it's a, it's a blow to their ego if it actually if they have to plan for that long, because what if it does, and I'm better than that, I should be employed by that, I don't need to do that. You just got to, like, remove the emotion from it as much as possible and view the situation like any other business situation you would, remove you from it and plan for the worst, hope for the best, conduct your activities for the best. But, again, at least if you kind of go into a little bit of a mental spiral because it's not going the way you planned, you at least have the reserves to allow you that, you know, ability to get through it. After all, when you think about it, isn't the reason that most folks get laid off the fact that a firm hedged its bets? They saw the short-term economy was not favorable to it. They have an expectation that they'll make it through to the other side and just hire again. But in the meantime, they needed to hedge their bets and do what was right for them as an organization. Folks, you've got to do the same thing for you, too. Uh, and hedge yeah. your bets and be prepared and not the, you know, it's like the godfather. It's business, not personal. <laughs> and you have to show no, it up- as business decisions. Yes. You brought up something earlier. Um, I'm sorry, I get excited. <laughs> Go for it, please. Um, no, you brought up something earlier about, you know, addressing finances, reducing expenses and whatnot. And, I mean, even, you know, you offered a personal story. I have one as well. In, you know, 2000, March 2009, I was laid off from a, a recruitment firm that, frankly, sort of laid me off in September of 2008. I worked at a firm that our second largest client was Bear Stearns in the midst of that collapse in Manhattan. And so, um, you know, I was even grateful to stay on until March of 2009. And, um, you know, my husband and I, and my husband was a stay-at-home dad for seven years at the time. So I was the only income. And I was a little, you know, subliminally full of myself. I just, you know, we had one income. We had no other income. And, you know, I didn't realize that how dependent I was, despite being a really good recruiter that I was and a good manager. And I knew I was very good at what I did. And, I mean, we brought the expenses, like, way down. My husband started 
you know, a construction firm that same year and um, started doing, you know, positions, uh, jobs around town, and he's very talented. But I could tell you that, you know, we called it the ramen noodle budget. <laughs> like, I mean, we were, we just brought everything down. And it helped us realize that, you know, I didn't want I was up. I was able to really put an idea that I had in place, which, which was chameleon resumes and start the business. But by doing that, it, it takes some of the pressure off, not that it was a pressure, you know, uh, that free zone at that period in any way, shape, or form, but it allowed some of the pressure to be taken off where I really could evaluate options and not just jump at the next recruiting job that came. And um, so it allows you to really think through the options and not just jump at the next thing that may not be the right fit, but you, simply be, but you, but you take it simply because you need the money. Bingo. And, and a very wise advice for you, uh, for you folks from Lisa about this, to put yourself in the position where you have options, that you don't need to act from desperation, where you can Absolutely. look at things with a critical eye in order to ensure that the next phase of your career, the next phase of your life uh, is well set up and you haven't just taken a job. <laughs> Because you needed Yeah, I'm all about options. That's how I live my life. I'm like, I always got to have options. If I feel stuck, that's usually the bad sign. <laughs> so. <laughs> so what else can people do uh, after they've had that bomb dropped on their head uh, to set themselves up for, for their search? What would you encourage? You know, I, I think really being attentive to LinkedIn and their profile and their network and, you know, making sure they're connected with as many people as possible that they know and not only at their current employer but, you know, parents and and at any level, whether it's the mail clerk or the CEO, you know, everyone moves and shakes and gets promoted and, you know, you never know where someone that was a subordinate from four years ago is going to end up today. So, you know, make sure that that is really all up to date. You know, if they get it on LinkedIn, if they're networking on LinkedIn, they get it. So they're going to get it if you're reaching out to them. You're never bugging anybody. And anyone who thinks you're bugging them, they just don't get LinkedIn is kind of how I think think about it. So, you know, as long as you're polite and whatnot, just reach out to everyone you know. Um, you know, ideally have your profile done ahead of time. But even if you don't, I think it's okay just to start reaching out to individuals, especially if it's going to take you a couple of weeks to get the profile up. Um you know, reach out to vendors, not only employees and former employees or coworkers, but, you know, clients, vendors, um, uh, associations, um, individuals you've net- met at networking events or conferences. Um, you know, obviously paying mind to any, you know, non-competes or contractual obligations that you have if you do have one of those as an executive that can happen. But I would reach out to everybody, you know. You know, even neighbors in town on a personal level, I would include, appropriate personal relationships as well because everyone we know is working in some capacity, whether it's in another executive role or it's their own business or, you know, the staff level person somewhere else. Um, and you never know who someone else knows. So it's about expanding the reach and the network. So you have strong search capabilities when you're looking for your own leads in LinkedIn and you can be involved in more webs, connection webs for those that are doing searches where you can come up in their search because you're involved with more connection webs. Um, I think paying attention to LinkedIn and really learning how to use the search function and increasing your connections to as close over to 500 as you're able to, as fast as you're able to, is the best thing to do. I always encourage people to think of the connectors in their life. Um, Mm -hmm. I I had on an earlier show talked about this one barber in Charlotte, North Carolina, 
who happened to cut the hair for a lot of senior people in the banks in Charlotte. Uh, so when this, when this guy was out of work, he started to have his hair cut there, and he didn't do it the first time in, and he didn't do it the second time in. But the third time in, uh, the guy said, so what do you do? Uh, God, yeah. I told him what, what he did. He said, you got a resume by any chance I could drop off with someone? And lo and yep. behold, got his job through the barber. I have a friend who's found an executive assistant role to a high-profile publisher uh, here in the New York, New Jersey area by going to her hairstylist. So, you know, it's, it's, it comes from the places you don't necessarily expect it to. And one lesson that I learned this in very, you know, definitively was when I was recruiting, um, this is, although I stopped recruiting about five and a half years ago, this is, this experience happened probably about 10 years ago. I belonged to a local networking group, a BNI group, and I was meeting with someone in my group. Um, I just want to make sure the audience heard what that was. BNI. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, International. Business Networking International. It's a worldwide, uh, entrepreneur business networking group that's usually located in most locations worldwide. And, um, thanks for that. And, uh, I was doing a coffee meeting with someone from my group who, on the surface, seemed like we would have nothing in common. I was an accounting and finance recruiter in my blue suit, you know, Manhattan, and she was a yoga teacher, you know, nutritionist, and not to say that, you know, bankers don't want to be fit or healthy, but just from a networking standpoint, I was naive in thinking we wouldn't have anything really to exchange or in common. And long story short, basically, one of her weekly uh, – yoga, massage, nutrition clients was a managing director of an insurance firm who used accounting and finance recruiters all the time. (laughs) So, you know, you just really never know where it's coming from and you never know how you can help someone else um, if you just learn their story and go through your mental inventory of how your resources can help somebody else. You know, you really just never know and you shouldn't judge it. And I learned it at that time about 10 years ago. Sweet story for us to end on. Uh, That's today's show. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, here are a few more ways to get information and advice from me. First of all, visit my website, which is thebiggamehunter.us. Go to the blog. There's a lot there to help you with your job search, hiring more effectively, managing and leading, and workplace-related issues. In addition, if you're interested in my coaching you, there's a button there that says Schedule. Schedule time for a free discovery call or schedule yourself in for coaching. Obviously, I'm going to charge for that, but I can help you with interview preparation, leadership coaching, salary negotiation advice, making a good decision between different offers, anything related to improving yourself in the workplace, I can coach you about. If you have questions for me, you can schedule 15 minutes with me at thebiggamehunter.us forward slash live or you know, a less expensive way is at thebiggamehunter.us forward slash video answers, where you leave a message for me and I'll respond with a three to five minute video. Connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash the big game hunter. I can assure you, your network will expand a lot by connecting with me. And finally, watch me on TV. Download the Job Search TV app for Fire TV, Fire Stick, Apple TV, Roku, like 90 different manufacturers. I'll be back tomorrow with more. And in the meantime, I hope you have a terrific day. Be great! 
Rule the day the plant-based way with the new vegan mixed berry from Smoothie King. Powered by whole non-GMO fruits, oat milk, and vegan protein, it's a dairy-free plant-based smoothie you can feel great about. With 13 grams of protein and half your daily fiber, it's an easy way to get the essential nutrients your body craves. Skip the line and order online for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day.